0: Before we get started, I wanted to say a special thank you to the patrons of the podcast, bringing you today's episode. You can support the show and get access to bonus episodes at patreon.com slash diapers and disciples, or by checking the link in today's show notes. This is Diapers and Disciples, episode 66. On Diapers and Disciples, we're talking about living out the Great Commission as a mom. I'm Amber O'Hearn, and this is part two of our series on Nurturing the Faith of Catholic Kids. Over the next four weeks, we'll be talking about introducing our kids to prayer, mass, saints, and the catechism. Today's chat is with author and speaker Katie Warner. We're chatting about her work in ministry, developing a book series to introduce little ones to the faith, and about family prayer routines with little kids. Thanks for listening in today. Here's my chat with Katie. Hi, Katie. Thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much for having me on the show, Amber.
0: I'm excited to chat with you. Can you start us off and just tell us a little bit about you and about your work and your family?
1: Sure. Um, so my name is Katie Warner. Um, I'm a mom of three, ages five and under. So my oldest is, he actually just turned five, and then I have uh, two and a half year olds going on 16, and um, <laughs> and then a nine, almost 10 month old little girl. So, um, so yeah, oldest is a boy and then two little girls. Um, I'm a newbie homeschooler, so my son and I just started kindergarten. In at home, and um, and then my middle daughter, she kind of just joins joins in for the ride. So she wants to do everything Big Brother is doing. So um, that I've I've kind of quickly learned that I need some <laughs> some extra activities that look very similar to his to keep her busy um, in my little <laughs> school room. And um, and then I have been married almost seven years to a super smart research engineer. Um, he and I met in Colorado when I was going to grad school, and he is um, at the time one of my best friends. It's her older brother. He came to to visit her in Colorado. And and then the rest is history. So he and I've been married almost seven years. Uh, We just moved to Georgia, where all of my family lives. Um, But yeah, but I haven't actually lived here since high school. So I was probably away for a good eight or nine years um, from this state, kind of living all over uh, Colorado, Florida, California, where my husband is from. And so we finally just... I, I, would, I was I was going to say just move back but it's my husband's first time living um living here and he's was born and raised in California so kind of a big culture shock for him. But right. um, but we just moved back and I'm loving having seasons again. And we are living in our first home since we made so many moves around the country over the past few years. And because um, the housing prices in California are kind of crazy, um, we finally settled into just a really beautiful um, home here in Georgia. And we've got, you know, trees all around us. And it's just kind of a little bit like a dream come true for us mm. to live in a little storybook house um, <laughs> compared to... Some some of our some of our past living situations so we're getting settled here um, in our first home and that's a little bit about my family and then I can talk about work too if you want me to
0: <laughs> yeah that sounds great I, I will say we're kind of in a similar situation where we actually um, just moved closer to my family maybe uh, it's probably almost two years ago now and um, there's We're in Ohio, and the cost of living is a lot more affordable here as well. We had moved from Minnesota. And so it has been—it's so nice living close by family, and it is so nice living in a place— that's a little bit more affordable. as well, oh goodness, So I yes. can totally relate to that, yeah. that change. So
1: now, I mean, you do like there's always trade offs. We, we absolutely right. loved. like I mean, we were we were living near my husband's family, which was so nice. And it was really, mm-hmm. really hard to leave them. And we also just love the adventure that you know, that we were provided there. We lived in Southern California, about 45 minutes north of Los Angeles. And we just never ran out of things to do on the weekend. So it yeah. was really, that part was really fun. And then of course, the weather is amazing there. Um, but I did miss the seasons. I mean it is it is really temperate, wonderful weather almost all year, but I kind of I I think it was almost It was almost, man, it was probably, it's probably been years since I wore jeans and scarves and, you know, boots and all that stuff. So it was really fun (laughs) when we moved back and I had winter for the first time in ages. So, um, so yeah. And then, and like you mentioned, just having family is kind of a huge um, uh, lifestyle change too. I had been away from my family so long and my kids hadn't really grown up around cousins. So just being able to have cousins to play with and my mom comes over sometimes just randomly to help and (laughs) I'm so not used to that. So sometimes I'll, I'll come, she'll come over and I'll, I just won't even quite know what to do to accept help. So that's been a really good practice for me too. And just, um, just learning how to, I guess, yeah, receive, receive help and um, just graciously and not try to attempt to do everything on my own.
0: (laughs) Mm, That's great. Yeah, that's so good. Now, Did you or your husband, were you homeschooled growing up? Is that something you kind of always expected you'd do?
1: no, actually quite the opposite. So my husband and I both went through public schools. I was in Catholic school for a few years in high school. Um, basically when we moved to Georgia, <laughs> we went, I went to high uh, Catholic high school for a few years here, but most of my life I was in public school. My husband was in public school most of his life, not most of his life, all of his life. And, um, and when we got married, when we were thinking about getting married, we kind of like, as we were dating, we just talked about just kind of our vision for, um, for kids and, for our kids' education and um, our home life and just a lot of those things that you talk about when you're discerning marriage. And both of us kind of just had conversations um, here and there about some of the issues we had with our own educational upbringing, um, which it was also a totally different time in schools, even just a few, you know, even just a generation ago. So um, just a lot of the moral landscape of, um, of the school system. And just, just also like even little things, like some of the time that we felt like could have been better spent or, you know, just, um, just a whole host of different issues that kind of made us interested in homeschooling, um, but also interested in other forms of schooling, whether that was finding a really devout Catholic school, you know, devout Catholic school um, that was, you know, on the table when we were first talking. Um, those are much harder to find, but we knew that they still existed in, in certain mm-hmm. pockets. Um, also hybrid schools, um, you know, kind of combination of uh, going to school and, and homeschooling. That was really interesting for us. So we looked into that right. as well. And at least, you know, for now, the time being, we just felt kind of prayerfully led to start at home and um also just based on my son's personality it just seemed like a really good fit at the time too and we kind of just decided that we would go kind of year to year and child to child just making what we thought was the best educational decision for them at the time but um but yeah so we I mean we've only been at it for a few months but so far I mean it's just been a huge blessing and um and I hope I can continue with it. So, um, so yeah, we've been happy with it. But I'm also, you know, one of the things that I feel like is super helpful when you're just making any sort of educational decision for your kids is not to feel like you have to get locked in to a decision, you know, yeah, like you can always, that's good. yeah, my husband, even when we were moving here, I was, I was so nervous about making the change. And he always reminds me that, you know, decisions aren't permanent. So, um, so, you know, if it doesn't work out, we can, you know, we prayerfully discern another course. And so that was helpful for me and in jumping into just because, I think I'm a perfectionist. And I, I wanted to say, okay, if I start homeschooling, I want to do it forever. And I want to be the best at it. (laughs) And and that kind of gave me the freedom to say, actually, you know what, I don't know what life's gonna throw at me. So we're gonna do this for now. We're gonna love this for now. And if God shows us another path later, then we'll venture down that path trusting in his will. So Mm. um, that's kind of been our journey toward starting homeschooling so far. So yeah, it wasn't it wasn't an expected one. But but so far, I love it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and I, I love that mindset as well. Um, I heard someone say once, I went to like a little homeschool info meeting and she the the woman that was presenting was saying you know it's helpful to think of yourself not as homeschoolers but a family who's chosen to homeschool this year like you're yeah. taking it year by year and you're trying exactly. to figure out you know what's what's best for us this year and i thought that was great so
1: right totally yeah this year and then also this child cuz i have a lot of right. friends who are homeschoolers but some of their kids just kind of just learned better in, you know, a more traditional school setting. And so hmm. um, that's, that was always helpful for me to hear from different families too, that I also kind of pay attention to the needs of each particular child so that they can learn the best way that is, is possible for them too.
0: Yeah, that's great. I love that. Um, so, so in terms of, so you're homeschooling uh, this year, and then you also have, um, you know, your work life. Could you tell us a little bit about that, the kind of work you do and kind of maybe how you balance that?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, I do all my work from home. I, um, one of the things when um when we started our families, I just I kind of I knew I wanted to be home with the kids. And especially when I when we decided to start homeschooling, um, I knew that was even more important that I just, you know, kind of maximized my time at home. Um, but on the side, um, I I always think it's funny when moms say what we do in our spare time, because we know in reality, that spare time is really minimal. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> True. But it's, really, it's really about finding those little pockets. And then also just being intentional. We I, I think a lot of us who do, you know, if, if you're at home and working from home um, in, in some form or fashion, you probably have a super supportive husband. So mm, it, really, yeah. it really helps that, you know, sometimes we'll do like daddy kids Saturdays and which they love. <laughs> so <Right>. um, <laughs> to have some time with just dad while, um, while I crank out a little bit of work on a Saturday morning, but Um, But yeah, so on the side of homeschooling and staying at home with my kids and doing the mom thing, I also work part-time for Catholics Come Home, um, which is a national evangelization apostolate. We air um, commercials inviting people home to the church. And my job with Catholics Come Home is a lot of the um, kind of Social media management and then also the email management, which is my favorite part because I'm the point of contact for people who email with questions about the Catholic faith and most, um, most especially people who email wanting to um, just get some guidance coming home to the church. So mm. I've been doing that for, oh my goodness, I don't know longer than I can remember maybe 10 years I don't know I started I started a while ago in some former in some former fashion and I just absolutely love um being able to do that work so I do that I also write for the National Catholic Register and then um I write for uh my my own website com, and that's kind of my platform for sharing resources for families for just how to live a more intentional spiritual life at home personally Mm -hmm. and then as a family and then um also, um, I am an author, a speaker, and then most relevant to our chat today, I'm, um, I just um, started working with one of my dearest friends, uh, Meg Whalen, who I met in grad school. She's a super talented illustrator. Um, she and I just started the First Faith Treasury uh, series um, with TAN Books. So I'm the author and editor of our board books and our picture books that we've been publishing through TAN.
0: That's so great. I love that. Um, yeah, I'm excited to ask you more about that. Before I get too far, I would love to hear just your thoughts on how you personally feel like you live out the Great Commission as a mom.
1: Oh, my goodness. So let's see. I think that this is by far the most impactful way that I've ever lived out the new evangelization, just being at home hmm. and raising my kids in the faith, um, which. You know, as I think about it, is kind of surprising to me that that would be such an, like such an obvious answer for me because I've done evangelization in so many other ways. You know, I've taught in parishes, I've spoken at large Catholic conferences, I've been working for Catholic apostolates for years. The stuff that everyone kind of considers the quote unquote work of evangelization. But I find that evangelizing my own children is the most important effort like evangelization effort that I have in my life and spreading the good news in our culture today. Because every time I'm just kind of learning how to love my kids better, every time I'm I'm being the face of Christ to them, every time I'm teaching them just the basics of their faith and just planting those seeds of truth, I know that I'm building up the church. I'm I'm sharing the good news and I'm doing that with people that I love the most. And sometimes those are the hardest people to evangelize to because they're the people that were the most ourselves around and they see all of our vices and all of our crankiness and all of our, you know, rough moments. But I feel like those are also the moments that enable us to grow in virtue and to really teach our kids to grow in virtue too. And the, you know, every day we have an opportunity to wake up and try and become saints and raise little saints. And I think, you know, it's Saint the, the Saints change the world, and so if we can make little saints at home, then we send those little saints out into the world, and they'll have the absolute greatest impact on the work impact on the work of evangelization. More so than you know, any article I could write or or pretty much anything else I can do. Um, just raising really faithful Catholic kids is probably the greatest gift I could give the world.
0: Hmm, I love that. That's beautiful. Um, so, did your journey as Uh, an author, a writer, and a speaker, did that come out of um, your work at Catholics Come Home? Or how, how did that come about?
1: Yeah, so I definitely grew up around ministry and public speaking. My dad, Tom Peterson, is the founder of Catholics Come Home, and before oh, he, okay. um, yeah, that, that I'm sure that helps <laughs> kind of yeah. draw some ties as to as to how I've been working in ministry for so long. But um, he also, before he founded Catholics Come Home, he founded another pro life apostolate called Virtue Media, and Virtue Media airs pro life um, television commercials, just kind of educating the culture about the sanctity of life, but also airs crisis pregnancy pregnancy ads to help um, women in need, um, to help them choose life for their babies, and then also post-abortion healing ads to offer hope and healing to women who have had an abortion. And so from as little as I can remember, I mean, like 10 or you know, 11, 12 years old, I remember being in the back of churches, hearing my dad you know, give a presentation after oh, mass wow. and handing out envelopes, donation envelopes in the back narthex. And so I kind of was always involved in ministry and was familiar with ministry that involved speaking and writing and just a lot of those tangible, um, written and spoken forms of evangelization. So I, um, when I was in high school, I, um, I was I mean, I've always been very devout in my faith, but I had started being asked by some like women's groups and other small um, parish ministries to give my testimony at different events. And so I would do those little speaking engagements. And then um, and then when I got to grad school um, and was studying theology. I was invited to do some conferences there. I went to the Augustine Institute and people, you know, just know that to be such a reputable mm-hmm. um, graduate school and a source of just really orthodox um, on fire theology. So I was able to get some speaking engagements based on some of the, um, the connections that I had there. And then, um, and then in terms of writing, uh, I, there was a a gentleman at the parish that my family belonged to, Randy Hain, who started the Integrated Catholic Life, a really popular um, online platform now for um, just really inspiring articles about the faith. And he asked me to start writing for their website. And before then, I hadn't really done um, a lot of writing about the faith, but I had become more familiar with speaking to different Catholic groups. And, um, and that kind of launched me into the writing side of the faith, which is now a lot more of what I do, because I've just, um, now that I'm in this phase of mom life with little kids, I've just kind of found it to be um, the best way to engage in that kind of evangelization versus traveling and speaking right now, because I just don't want to be away from my little ones. Mm-hmm. So um so yeah, that's uh the speaking and, and writing kind of just evolved, but a lot of it was God just sort of placing invitations in my lap. I didn't really seek it out. It kind of sought me out and yeah. I was just really blessed for the opportunity to be able to share my faith in those ways because it's been such a gift in my life and um and all of those opportunities to share it with others has been an equal, you know, an equally wonderful gift. So mm,
0: that's beautiful. I-, I love how God invites us to Use our gifts even when we're not maybe seeking them out necessarily, and just presents us with those opportunities to um, practice the gifts He's given us. So that's beautiful. I really love that.
1: It makes it it makes it easy too when you don't have to wonder what does God want from me, and He kind of just yeah. puts it in your lap. I think, <laughs> yeah. I think you know. I think a lot of us are like, how do I use my talents? How do I use my gifts? And I mean, in my life, it's just it's always been he's just made it really obvious mm. and sometimes i find that the the avenues where i find the most joy are the ones that god has opened the door that i haven't gone and pushed a door open myself so i've had projects where i thought oh maybe i should be doing this and i just feel like i'm forcing it but but when when it when the when i just walk so smoothly through a door that god's already opened i just find so much joy and peace and whatever that mm whenever that effort is. So I've, now that I've kind of noticed that pattern in my life, I'm much more conscious of what I say yes to and, you know, and what kind of, yeah, what kind of projects I work on just based on whether or not I can see God's hand moving me in that direction. So.
0: Mm, right. That's great. Um, so you, so you mentioned now your work with, um, children's books and board books and, did you feel like your your passion for nurturing the faith of Catholic kids came when you had your own kids, or is that something that's kind of been fostered for a while?
1: Oh no, I would say it's to- it's totally based on my kids. Yeah. <laughs> <So> I, <laughs> I mean, before I had kids, I was entirely doing evangelization and ministry work to an adult audience, and I never imagined doing anything um, with kids. Even I would also even get invited to speak at young, adult, and teen groups a lot um, because I was a young, adult, and teen when I started doing my speaking ministry, and I was always absolutely the most uncomfortable in front of those audiences, which is really funny because they yeah. were my peers, and it and I was in that phase of life, but I just, for whatever reason, I just felt like I was in my zone when I was doing, you know, RCIA classes or speaking at a, an adult Catholic conference or just for, for some reason that always came most naturally, so I would have never guessed in a million years that I would be writing children's books, but it really... <laughs> It really it really was a, a product of just being in that phase of life. And I've also always been drawn to projects that are kind of deeply relatable to my current phase of life and projects that involve me filling a gap that I see. So hmm. I really like to make race resources that I wish that I had, but that I can't seem to find. So yeah. um Meg and I really wanted to, you know, she and I had were sitting and kind of daydreaming in her little art room um one day about um creating Catholic children's books that had the beauty and appeal of a Barnes & Noble bestseller, but with the catechetical content as well. And so, you know, that wasn't always something that we could find super easily. We've, you know, we have so many, there are really a lot of great Catholic children's books out there. And a lot of them are really heavy on the catechetical, like informative catechetical content. So, you know, they do, they teach you a lot about, you know, like the, you know, the Holy Water font is, you know, there to um, remind us of our baptism and, you know, just like they kind of explain. explain it in really good, informative detail, just a lot of aspects of our faith. And I have a lot of those books and my kids and I love them, but we also just wanted some that are a little bit more story form. Um, just, just kind of had that catchiness that makes a kid want to go grab that off the shelf when you say, run and get me a book, you know? And so, um, so we just, you know, we kind of wanted to make that dream come to a reality now that we had those kids and we Kind of were able to understand what it was that they gravitated to. You know what kind of what kind of illustrations and what kind of content. And so, um, having a Catholic culture and a book culture in our family is also a really big deal. So, I wanted to be able to marry those two cultures in a way that helps plant the seeds of faith in my little ones and really get them excited about seeing their faith reflected in books, and then also having those books then impact their faith.
0: Hmm, that's great. So maybe you can tell us um kind of about maybe the last couple projects you've done or ones that are in the works right now. Because I know you have um the board books, and then there's also a book about um like a priest getting ready for mass that I think might be coming out soon. And I mean, can you tell us about some of those projects?
1: Yeah, so okay, so we have three books out right now, and then you the one that you um kind of mentioned is coming out in March. And um, so, our first picture book that came out is called "I Went to Mass." What did I see? And if you have kids that are a fan of Brown Bear, Brown Bear, then this is totally your book. Mm. It's basically I like you know most people call it the Catholic version of Brown Bear, Brown Bear. And I was thinking um, about that as I was writing it. It has that really great repetition and rhyme that kids love, and um, but specifically focused on images of the mass. So there's a cute little boy that you follow through the book that sort of is just kind of wondering over all of the sites in his parish church, you know, from the crucifix to the Eucharist to the stained glass windows of the saints. Um, And you follow him throughout the book. And it's so easily memorizable that, you know, we've we've heard that little two-year-olds are walking into their church and saying, you know, I went to Mass. What did I see? I saw the holy water font near me as they passed the holy water
0: font. (laughs) That's sweet.
1: That was was the first picture book that we released. And then we're also in the middle of a board book series um, that we kind of wanted to take back to the essential sources. So one of the things that we noticed was we have a lot of books about the lives of the saints and stories of the saints, but we also wanted a book where you could hear from the saints themselves. I know as an adult, I just learned so much from the writings of the saints. So we wanted to give that to our kids too. So um, our first book, Cloud of Witnesses, um, A Child's First Book of Saints is basically a book of saint quotes that we felt like are particularly relevant and beautiful for little children with a picture of the saint and then a quote from the saint to accompany it. And then our follow-up to that and the second book in the series is called The Word of the Lord, A Child's First Scripture Verses. And The Word of the Lord basically has um, 11 of um, – some of our favorite scripture verses, especially ones that we also thought that our kids would love too. So, you know, Jeremiah 1, 5, before you I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And there's a beautiful picture of illustration of a mother with a baby in her womb. And Meg did a, a gorgeous job just illustrating their hearts to kind of just draw out like the love between mm-hmm. a mom and a child and God. And um and so that book has been Um, probably one of our favorites in the home since we just got it a few weeks ago and then the one that we have coming out soon is called father ben gets ready for mass and i am super excited this for this one it's actually the concept was based off of um experiences that my son had when he was two years old we were living in florida and um the priest at our church father benjamin would prepare for Mass every day, and my son, he, he and my son kind of had a special little friendship, and my son would watch him as he got ready for Mass. He'd watch him kneel at, you know, the back of the church before he started to say Mass, um, you know, cross himself with the holy water, just kind of go through the preparation that a priest might go through to prepare for Mass that a lot of us don't think about. You know, we're, we are we know what we do to get ready for Mass, but a lot of kids don't really know what priests do, and it kind of gives you that inside look at a priest getting ready for Mass, but it my. My other favorite part of the book, um, besides just introducing kids to you know vocations in that sort of you know inside insider way, um, it's also interactive. So the kids gets to get involved in the book. So as you're reading, it'll tell you to you know trace Father Benjamin's path to the church with your finger, and you know to join in um, singing with him as he sings Alleluia at the gospel. To dip your finger in the little holy water font on the page and make the sign of the cross. And um, when we uh, when we got our Dummy copy of the book. Um, as Meg was working on it, she, you know, she sometimes sends us little kind of practice copies, and the kids had so much fun because they could get involved with the book, right. and um, and they it too. just sort of brought that to life for them, and they felt like they were kind of going right along with Father Benjamin as he was preparing for the mass. So that one, could, that one comes out in March And That one has just been so much fun to work on throughout the process, especially since the kids are are able to really be a part of the book that, in this one.
0: Sweet. That, that is really neat. And that's, you're right. That's something that, um, you know, we might, we don't think about a lot and, um, especially to, I think about the idea of just kind of like normalizing vocations to the priesthood and religious life and yeah, exposing our kids to, um, I don't know. Yeah. Having your, having your priest over for dinner and, you know, reading books about a priest getting ready for mass and, you know, that's just, uh, that's so helpful for, for a child growing up to be able to think, oh, this is something that, you know, maybe the Lord might call me to in the the future and, um, something I can be open to. And so that's really neat. I love that. Um, I would love to ask you about, uh, your family prayer life in your home and, um, ways that maybe, um, you pray with your kids or introduce them to scripture. Um, can you just kind of tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, I'll I'll start with kind of just going through what maybe a day in the life of our family prayer looks like. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, Yeah. So my husband leaves in the morning before the kids wake up. So morning prayer is just the kids and I, and um, we wake up and we come into our prayer room. Um, We actually converted the upstairs room, the upstairs, what probably could have been a guest room in our house into a library and prayer room. So um, yeah, it's actually been super, super helpful in just making our family prayer time just more predictable and intentional. And um, the kids have come to really enjoy prayer time too, because there's a special place for it. So um, so we come into the prayer room, we light a candle, and then we say our morning offering, um, the simplified version um, for the kids. Um, I don't know if you've heard it, but it's, it's really cute. And kids just latch onto it because of the rhyme in it. Um, to Jesus through Mary, I give you this day, all that I think and do and say. Mm-hmm. And so we start off with our um, morning offering, and then we read about the saint of the day. Um, and we have our little wooden saint dolls in the prayer room too. <clears throat> Excuse me. So if there's a if we happen to have a doll for that saint, then the kids get to put it on our little altar table in the prayer room. And then those are like after,
0: little uh, peg dolls or something. Yeah, the little yeah. peg dolls.
1: Yeah, yeah. I painted mine. But okay. we also have yeah, we also have a few from uh, Shining Light dolls. Those are super adorable. And then um, I think on. You know, on Instagram and Etsy, you can probably find a whole bunch of them. Um, but I think a lot of Catholic moms are familiar with them now from Emmaus Road Pegs and just a lot of artists have some really adorable ones. So um, my kids have loved those. So, um, so yeah, if the saint if the saint of the day, if we happen to have that one, we put it on the altar and then we read a scripture verse from the word of the Lord, um, the board book that I was just mentioning. Um, this is one of the ways that I love to introduce my kids to scripture. I really love children's Bibles, but I also think it's really helpful as parents to know that we don't have to shy away from reading real scripture to our kids. And, um, you know, we know from the book of Hebrews that the word of God is living and active. And so I want that living and active word to be a part of my kids' lives from day one. So um, with the word of the Lord, it just makes it so easy because the scripture verses are already there. They're in small bite-sized forms. They're scripture verses that the kids can already just really relate to. And then there's an illustration to accompany it. And I think when you put those images along with those Bible verses, they just really come to life for kids. So so we usually do one of those verses um, during our morning prayer time. Or we do a saint quote from the board book, Cloud of Witnesses. And then sometimes we just read and read it and repeat it. Um, Other days we'll, you know, recite it together. Um, And then some days we discuss about the verse a little bit more in depth. Like we might talk about what book of the Bible it comes from, you know, what, you know, we might unpack what it really means and how we can apply it to our lives and stuff like that. So it kind of just depends on the day, how deep we go into the scripture verse. And then from that, um, we move into our Bible story time, um, where we just, you know, we have, we've been going chronologically through the Bible. So we just open up to the next Bible story and we read about that. And then later during school, we usually illustrate what we've read um, in the Bible and then retell it. And then we do our petitions and our morning prayer. We do our petitions. And then also um, we try and do a hymn during morning time. I'm not, I don't have mm-hmm. a very good singing voice. So this is probably the area that, that stretches me the most, but I yeah. I do, I do know how much children love songs. So I try to mm-hmm. make that a part of our morning prayer time. Sometimes we move the hymn to lunchtime and I play it through our speaker rather than attempt to sing it. Right. <laughs> but, um, yeah. but we do make, um, um, some hymn, usually a part of our day in our in our family prayer at some point, and then at lunchtime we also pray the Angelus together. I set a reminder on my phone, and so the church bells on my phone start ringing at twelve o'clock, and my two year old always yells Angelus, and then Sweet. and then we usually pray that right before we have lunch, and then we kind of pray throughout the day as the needs arise. So this morning we were praying because my sister in law just went into labor, and oh, actually, exciting. actually. As we're talking I'm trying not to get distracted because I'm being sent pictures of the baby who just oh arrived. My goodness.
0: So, oh, I congratulations know. So to her. Oh, I know. I just, that's exciting. I know.
1: I, and I just got another little niece. So, super huge blessing. And so we anyway, so we took a chance to you know, kind of stop whatever activity we were doing and say a quick prayer for Auntie Shelley and her baby mm-hmm. on the way. And then, um, you know, if, if we hear about someone who's sick or, you know, whatever um, the situation be, if we hear sirens, you know, kind of going by while we're at the park, we take time just all throughout the day to just kind of offer little prayers to God or we offer our school day to him or um, just kind of little, little prayers throughout the day. We often say our rosary in the car while we're driving around because I feel like that's always just become the easiest way um, for us to. Get in our rosary, especially with little kids, and then, um, and then we, um, and then for evening prayer, um, when my husband's home, we all get together in the prayer room again before bedtime. That's when we do our prayers of Thanksgiving. We usually do a decade of the rosary and then an Angel of God prayer, and then um, my husband blesses all the kids, which is one of their favorite uh, parts of prayer time too. And that's kind of the the day in the life of a family prayer on, on, on like the most ideal day.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's great. Wow. I, I love that. I love that you guys have a prayer room because I think having that set apart space, you know, having a room is amazing, but even just a set apart, you know, prayer space in your living room or like a, uh, a kitchen or just like a little, a little, place where you know, you specifically go to to do that prayer is so neat. And then in terms of your routine, did it take a while to, like, develop that morning routine of, um, you know, this is what we do for our prayer time? Or was it just, you know, one day you said, okay, we're starting a routine. And here's what it looks like.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, I think a lot of that was the product of our environment. Um, Because we, you know, I, I think, kind of like you were just alluding to is having that prayer space. If it's not even, I mean, it can't be a room in everyone's home. This is, you know, by far the most space we've ever lived in. And we are really fortunate that we can have a room for it. But before this, we lived in a condo, a very small condo. And before that, we were in a townhouse that was also, you know, on the smaller side. And so we would just use... Um, a table or, you know, a part of a room on a wall or something to have that prayer space. Um, I do think that um, a table or something a little bit lower to the ground has been helpful, especially if you have little children. Um, If you have really little kids, you could even have small altars. I used an actual, for a little while, I used... um, a, a little table that was—I I don't even think it was called a table, but it, I think it was a shoe rack. But it was—it it looked like a little tiny table, <laughs> and um, and that I put in my kids' rooms with a little altar cloth over it. And that, gave, and that gave us a chance to gather around that before nap time. But I do think that having some dedicated space, and I talk about creating a family prayer space um, on katiewerner.com on an article there if you want ideas for what to do on the altar and things like that. But um, I do think that makes a huge difference in establishing the family prayer routine. So, um, so yeah, I think ours, the form that it takes now, um, kind of some of it was you know, more abrupt based on when we got the prayer room, it just became easy to come in here and all of the materials that we needed were all right there. You know, the Bible was next to the board books, was next to the altar, you know, was next to the rosaries, all that kind of stuff was already in the same place. But then also other things was just more just practice, you know, just getting, um, you know, praying throughout the day. That's just something that you kind of, you just Develop that muscle over time, you know, and um, and so being, you know, remembering to offer God your playtime and stuff like that. I mean, that doesn't always come naturally to us. That's something that sometimes we'll be in the middle of playing and stop and say, "Oh, you know what? Let's offer God this playtime," you know, and um, and then also like the angelus. That wasn't something that we regularly did at lunchtime. Sometimes lunchtime was really chaotic, and we just kind of jumped into it as fast as we could. But um, but then setting, I realized something as simple as setting my phone reminder. You know? you know, could could make a huge difference in accomplishing that. So, um, so I do think it was kind of a mix of, you know, hey, we're starting this new prayer routine, and here's what we're going to do. Some of it was that and some of it kind of evolved over time and just took practice to sort of make it a habitual thing in our day. Mm
0: -hmm. And having um, your kids all, you know, five and under, how, you know, how do they handle the prayer time? And um, has it been, have they like received that really well, and or are there like a lot of distractions? I guess maybe just kind of like a a reality. Like, what does that look for like for um, for those of us who do have young kids that are that are under five, maybe?
1: Oh, I am so glad you asked because I feel like the tendency is to assume that everybody else's family prayer time looks picture perfect, and yeah. yours is the only one that's a disaster. But it's i i the the reality is that little kids five and under, they're just They're little movers and they're they're movers and they're noisemakers and and they like to test limits. And, you know, it's just, it's um, one of the things that I've come to kind of remind myself as I you know, continue to raise kids and and try and, you know, plant the faith, you know, those seeds of faith in them when they're little, is that I want to have prayer time be something that is warm and comforting for them. And now which doesn't mean no boundaries, you know, like when we come into the prayer room, for example, when we're praying, they're they're allowed to choose between three different postures, sit, stand or kneel. So prayer time is not when we run and jump on the furniture. You know, like Mm they're we we definitely have um, prayer, you know, kind of certain guidelines that just help keep some sort of structure around prayer so that they do learn the basics of reverence. But it's also not super rigid. You know, they're not, we never force them to audibly say the prayers. That's something that they kind of, that they're invited to do and encouraged to do and that they usually end up wanting to do because it becomes a group kind of togetherness thing. Um, We try and do a lot of cuddles during prayer time. Um, Sometimes I think that, you know, at least for one of my children, physical touch is just, you know, really important to him. So we try and make that kind of a warm, cuddly time, which I think to him also just makes him want to be more particip- participatory in the prayer time. Um, also, um, because we're big readers in our family, reading the Bible stories and reading the quotes is something that they enjoy doing, because sometimes when there's a book involved in prayer time, it just, they just, they just automatically warm up to that more, um, and then and then when we pray, for example, you also just have to kind of do what's working for your family and recognize that based on your season of life, that certain things may just just be better at different times. So some some nights, you know, we. We can't pray a full decade of the rosary. You know, we we kind of start it. And then if things are just kind of spiraling out of control and everybody is way too tired, you know, they're not really even counting the Hail Marys. So my husband and I make the sign of the cross and, you know, and we kind of offer that to God for the day. And for a while I had actually really 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 wanted our family to pray a whole rosary in the evenings and after and and for a lot of families even families with little kids that works for them and i think that's so awesome but we were really struggling it was just the the kids were just they were really tired and it was just it just wasn't working and so we realized you know we could force the rosary down their throats or we could make learning to pray the rosary a positive mm. you know warm experience for them. And so for us that looked like breaking it down into smaller pieces. And so instead we pray the rosary over the course of the week and we do a different decade each night so by so by the time we hit Friday We'll, we'll finish praying all of the all of the joyful mysteries for example and that's been working super well for us um, also you know just using prayer aids like when we pray the rosary i put a picture of the mystery on the altar table so the kids have something to look at and oftentimes as we're praying the rosary they'll stop in the middle of a Hail Mary to ask questions about the picture and to retell that particularly particular mystery in the life of Christ. And so we also allow some of those interruptions because the end goal is really also remembering that, you know, the Lord says, let the children come to me and he knows their age and developmental stage mm. <laughs> better than we yeah. do and knows what their, where their hearts are. And so it really is just kind of with practice, finding that balance between reverence and respect in the developmental age. And then just also knowing that that God knows where you are and he knows your hearts and he knows your kids' hearts. And just your effort to come together in family prayer is a huge gift to him and also a huge gift to your kids.
0: Mm, beautiful. Yeah, I love that. that. That's so helpful to hear um, To hear that perspective. That's great. Um, so Katie, how would you say you've seen the Lord at work in your life the last year? Hmm.
1: Well, I think this past year was probably most of God's hand was busy in the process of moving my family across the country um, mm-hmm. from California to Georgia. I am, I feel like the ways that God is always working in my life are in the areas of trust, um, trusting in his plan and then working from a place of peace and not frenzy. So mm-hmm. this year the trust came in just, just having confidence that, that, this was within God's will for us to make this big move. I am not a fan of change. And even though I've been forced to change <laughs> like in big ways so many times in the past few years. And um, and this move was probably the scariest for me because I knew it was probably the most permanent move that we had made to date. Um, at least that was the intention for it, for it to be somewhere we were going to settle um, more than, you know, one to two years <laughs> And so I just really had to trust that, that this was what God wanted and that, that he would care for us in the process, and um, I was really nervous about my husband being able to find a job that he liked as much, that challenged him as much, that he would find as fulfilling. Um, California is just a hotbed of um, of engineering, like innovative engineering, and my husband was previously a Walt Disney Imagineer,
0: oh, so wow, yeah,
1: yeah. So it was super fun, right? Like that's what a lot of engineers would love to do is to you know design the newest attractions for for Disney, and he had so much fun doing that, and he ended up. He ended up getting an amazing job that he loves, that just has been stretching him and challenging him, and just has been so much fun. And God provided, as He always does. And so I just this past year, I think the Lord has really just kind of continued to say, like, "When have I ever failed you?" Mm, you know, like, yeah. Just, um, just kind of, you know, oh, you have little faith. Sort of, lots of, lots of those scenarios, and then, and then also um, in the second way, I would say the idea of just working from a place of peace. Um, I had uh, I had coffee with um, Randy Hain, the gentleman I mentioned um, earlier on, who invited me to start writing um, about my faith online, and at one point during our chat when I was kind of talking about the different projects I had going on and he, um, and how sometimes I just wonder if I should just kind of, you know, give it all up and, you know, not even do any work on the side and just do family, family, family all the time. And, you know, just like all this discernment that I was in the middle of, and he just kind of stopped me and he said, you know, you can do good things. You just don't have to do them frantically. Mm. (laughs) I'm just so appreciated. He's always very candid with me, which I appreciate because I can be so frantic. I just, I'm very quick to stress and I, you know, and I sometimes just, instead of, instead of going about my to-do list from a place of peace and just trusting that it'll all get done i can just sometimes get very overwhelmed over even just you know daily just daily tasks that start to pile up and so this year i've really seen the lord kind of start to help me work on that in a very intentional way and give me the grace to see how I can reframe the way I approach my work and help, help me to not find my self worth and my ability to get things done, which has been so, so good and, and healing and hard for me to, um, to just focus more on the person I'm becoming and not so much um, the things that I'm doing, um, which has also helped me to just make more space for leisure in my life again, um, which has been just, yeah, really beautiful. And, um, and I thank God for, for having patience <laughs> with a very type A personality like, like, mm-hmm. like mine is.
0: <laughs> That's so great. Thanks for sharing that. That's awesome. Um, and I, I have a hunch that I might know this next, the answer to this next question, but <laughs> maybe not, maybe it'll surprise me. What is yeah. your favorite part of your home and why?
1: Oh, yeah. So no, I think your hunch is probably I would say your hunch is half right because I I, I I can never pick one favorite. I'm terrible at picking favorites. My husband always gets upset with me. he asks me <laughs> to pick a favorite or something and I give him multiple things. But um, yeah, I would say the prayer room is definitely one of my favorite rooms in the home. Um, just like I said, just because it's also made our, our family prayer life so much richer. I also love coming in here because there's an extremely comfortable blanket and a really nice rocking recliner <laughs> in here. So I sometimes can't wait for the kids to get to bed because I come in here to do my own prayer and reading time. Oh, so great. Um, yeah. yeah, it's just really warm and inviting. I I still want to paint the walls and, you know, we kind of have some other things we want to do in here, but for right now it's it's a really great space. And then the other space that's my favorite is our schoolroom because I decided to make the radical decision to change what would have been a traditional dining room into a schoolroom. And I have not regretted it for a single day oh, that we've good. been here. Yeah. It's just, you know, I I realized that we could, you know, we have a big enough table in our kitchen to be able to host people there. And um and we knew that we were interested, you know, we were serious enough about homeschooling to where we um that it might be worth having a dedicated space. And so that room has just been so so helpful and so much fun for the kids and I. Um and just really cute. I'm not much of a designer. I'm usually looking at Pinterest and, you know, and my friend Instagram accounts and going oh my goodness I don't know how I would ever design a house like that. It's so cute. so <laughs> my school room my school room is like the closest to Pinterest worthy <laughs> I've ever designed anything so it's really fun and I love that place too
0: <laughs> that's so great yeah I-, I wondered how you did that I-, I always wonder about families who homeschool if they have a dedicated space for that or if it just kind of ends up taking over you know the kitchen table or whatever so yeah, yeah, yeah that's great yeah, it
1: was yeah, it was one of those things that I went back and forth with myself, but, um, but yeah, I'm glad I did it this way. And again, it was just the blessing of being able to have the the space and ability to do that. I don't think it would have, I don't think it would have made or break my decision to homeschool, but it's certainly been icing on the cake.
0: That's great. Very neat. And what have you been loving recently?
1: Oh my goodness. Okay. So like I said, I can never choose one favorite thing. So I'll yeah. me too. <laughs> that's great. Um, <laughs> So um, the first thing is a book. No, actually, I'm sorry. It's not a book. It's it's an it's an exhortation, which is oh, so funny. Okay. I can't remember the last time I read an exhortation, and so I was so excited to talk about it. But um, Bishop Olmstead just came out with his new exhortation, "Complete My Joy." Um, it. It touches on our roles as husband and wives, mothers and fathers, and guardians of our children's innocence, and then also how to approach prayer, technology, being present in the little years. It's just wow. so, so good. I mean, Amber, I think this is like the perfect read for your audience because all of us in this phase of life um, with little kids, it's just, I mean, I, I just kept highlighting all over the place. So, Can you access like that said, online? You can, you can. Yep, it's called "Complete My Joy." Complete My Joy by Bishop Olmstead, um, out of the Diocese of Phoenix. Um, and I just keep kind of chuckling over the fact that I sound like a total geek for being so obsessed with an, an exhortation. But I just, <laughs> it's really, really good. It reads, it reads like just, it reads like a good book. Hmm. So, um, so yeah, I would highly recommend that. And you know, most of us don't go into reading church documents expecting it to be awesome, but I really don't think that anybody who picks it up will be disappointed. Um, I also recommended it the other day to a friend of mine, um, who was looking for the next mom's group, like book study to do. Oh, sure. So, um, so yeah, if any of the gals listening are in mom's groups or some women's group, this would also be a really great pick for that. Cause I think a lot of it, um, is really good launching point for discussion too. Mm, so it's a great idea that's my first thing. And then the other thing I think I actually kind of mentioned a little bit earlier, but it's having seasons again. I haven't had winter time in a good seven to eight years, because we've been living in California and in Florida. And it is it is there's just no winter. (laughs) I mean, it gets (laughs) chillier. Now, actually, this year, I think Southern California, it's been chillier than it was the previous year. Um, but uh, the years we were in Florida, I don't think I wore pants once. So I've just been loving not having my hair in a bun all the time and getting to wear jeans and sweaters. and um, And it's just been really fun to have a break from sandals. So I just want to say this, especially because I know how many women are stuck in really cold winters, because I'm not Georgia does not have a really cold winter. It's very mild compared to probably where you are. My best friend's in Minnesota and man, they have their winters. Yeah. But um but I there is somebody out there who is really grateful for winter after having lived through a lot, a lot, a lot of summer.
0: Right. <laughs> That's so great. Yeah. My my dad so my dad was in the military and they were stationed in Hawaii for several years. And they, you know, of course they love that. And we're so grateful to be there, but by the end, they really missed the change of seasons and they were thankful to um, be able to move back to Ohio and really experience those being away from, I think the change of seasons gives you a new appreciation for it when you come back into it. So to- I love totally, that. Yeah. Totally. And then uh, my last question for you is, do you have any mom hacks to share?
1: Okay. So this one i think is probably my the one that's most on my mind just because um my friend and i were talking about it the other day but i and it's also a little counterintuitive but i have recently given myself the grace and the freedom from guilt in sleeping in until my kids wake up so I feel like there's lots of discussion about you know seizing the day waking up before all the kids wake up so you can you know either exercise or have a really good prayer time or whatever it is that you might be doing before the kids wake up um, as just being a really good intentional thing for moms to do and I actually do think it is a very good intentional thing for moms to do but um, when the season of life, Provides for that, at least for me. um, I just, the times that I have tried to do that when my kids were little. I usually get interrupted by a crying child or by someone who woke up way earlier than I expected. And then I just start my day kind of frustrated. <laughs> and instead of that being like a rejuvenating fill my cup time, I start the day like, why did I even bother waking up? I didn't even, you know, I was 10 minutes into my workout and I got interrupted and I just, it kind of just wasn't the best, um, just, yeah, it wasn't the best. Mood starter, Well, it really wasn't a good way to start my day. So, um, so a while ago, I just decided, you know what, I this is an end goal for me for sure when my kids are sleeping through the night. But after listening to a podcast that also I can't even remember what podcast it was, but um, the the gal was also saying that she had just started um sleeping in until her kids slept in after many frustrating attempts <laughs> to wake up early, and I just decided, you know what, I'm just gonna sleep until my my kids sleep and I'm not even going to think twice about it anymore. I'm not going to feel guilty about it and I'm just going to appreciate the extra energy <laughs> that that gives me to live my day with my kids. And I'm still able to have my prayer time. I've just I've started doing it in the evenings and it's just It's actually much more doable then. Um, There's no interruptions right after the kids fall asleep. So um, I've just had a much more fruitful prayer time doing it then. And then I've somehow managed to find exercise time during the day, even though I'm not waking up prior to the kids. So all those things that I had kind of wanted to do in the morning to seize the day, I realized they still get done. And that extra little bit of sleep makes me a much better mom throughout the day.
0: That's great. Katie, I'm so glad you said that because um, I would say probably the majority, if not all of the guests that I've had on the show have had the have shared an opposite perspective of really getting up early. So it's nice to hear like someone come from the other side of things and say, actually, I can still get my prayer time in and I, you know, sleep in until the kids get up. And I think that, I think that's helpful because I think you're right. There are some stages in life where it just might not be doable. Like, especially, you know, the pregnant and nursing moms or the kids that are, you know, the ones with kids that are still waking up throughout the night and, I think it's really freeing to say, you know what, you can take your prayer in the evening after they go to bed, and um, it'll be okay. <laughs> you know, you're not a, yeah, a bad yeah. mom if you if you wake up at the same time as them. I think that's awesome. Yeah. So
1: totally. I definitely, I definitely wanted to make that my mom hat because I feel like there could be other women like me out there listening, saying, "Can someone just like, <laughs> can someone just, you know, give me the pass?" Yeah. You know, to, to, to sleep. And I, I just think, I mean, sleep is so important. It's important to our physical lives, but also to our spiritual lives. And I actually, part of this came because I ended up developing an illness about a year, year and a half ago that just required me to rest absolutely as much as I could. And so that's what started forcing me to sleep in. And then after that, I just realized that it was it was just good and I should just keep doing it. So um, like you said, the point is to pray, not necessarily when you pray, you know, but to pray. So, So, um, so if, if for you, that means getting up early before the kids wake up, if that's, you know, when you, you know, when prayer is really working for you, more power to you. And if your kids happen to sleep in when you wake up, then I, I just want to congratulate you because that is a feat that I have been unable to accomplish.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's great. That's so helpful to hear that. So, um, I have to ask then what time do your kids go to bed at night usually?
1: So my – okay, so my 10-month-old is a little bit all over the board because, you know, teethers and all that, you know, that – those babies are still a little bit unpredictable at that age. At least mine always have been. But she probably goes down sometime between 7 and 8.30, but usually on on a good night closer to 7. And then – and then my um my older kids go to bed usually between eight and eight thirty. But my um but my two and a half year old and my five year old, they um daddy does their bedtime. So I'm usually like off the clock <laughs> around um like I said, on a good night if we don't have any like wake ups with, with teething pain, I'm usually um off at about seven thirty, which is it's great. Another reason why I think I've really benefited from my evening prayer time is because I actually am able to start my evening pretty early (laughs) in the evening. So, um, uh, but yeah, so usually around 730 or eight is when I start my prayer time and my kids are all asleep by 830.
0: Okay. And so then um, if your husband is kind of, um, you know, doing the uh, bedtime routine, then are you able to, when he finishes, do you feel like you still have time with your husband at night before going to bed?
1: I do. He's a night owl. I'm not. So normally after he puts the kids to bed, um, he and I will spend some time together either – gosh, either, you know, sometimes we he'll pay bills and I'll read like in the same room. Yeah. And then um, we, we just try to be present um, in the same room with each other. And we usually end up at some point having some conversation, either like there's a marriage devotional that we sometimes do together, which will be our conversation for the evening. Or we'll both talk about something that we've been reading, mm-hmm. or a podcast that we've been listening to. So we do try to connect like, I'm I'm a big communicator. So I need to at least have some sort of talking time with him every night, but yeah. I'm not a big TV watcher. So I know for some couples, that's how they connect. But I just, if I watch any TV before bedtime, I'm up like for hours. Cause my, I, I just have a hard time with screens mm. before bed. So, um, so yeah, we're usually in the same, same room, um, for probably an, hour ish, half an hour to an hour. And then, um, and then I usually get in bed. I'm usually asleep around 10. So I like to clock in early (laughs) since, since we're in that phase of life where we also have to start the day pretty early and I need my sleep. So. (laughs)
0: Right. Yeah. That's great. That's really helpful. Um, great. Well, Katie, tell us where we can find you, where listeners can find you, or if they're interested in checking out any of the, any of the books you mentioned, if there's a good place to send them for that.
1: Sure. So um, firstfaithtreasury.com is where you can find all of our children's books. And then um, you can find me online at katiewerner.com. And then the last thing I'll recommend, just because I forgot to bring it up earlier, um, is a prayer journal that I have on Amazon called A Parent Who Prays: a journal to guide you in praying for your children. And that's probably one of my most popular resources for parents of um, kids in the home too. Oh, great. um, Yeah. So your listeners may want to check that out on Amazon that one's called a parent who prays. So I think those are all my yep, online spots. <laughs> okay.
0: Wonderful. Good. Well, thank you so much, Kitty, for taking the time um, to chat with me. I, I so enjoyed our conversation. I'm, I'm really appreciative that you were here. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Amber. It was, the pleasure was really mine and I, and I hope we can chat again soon.
0: Yeah. Let me go ahead and close this in a prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for uh, this time to be with one another today and chat, and I pray, Lord, for um, all the women listening today and for those who are experiencing um, any particular struggles with um, just exhaustion or um, feeling overwhelmed, Lord, that you would uh, just grant them some rest today, And, and Lord, help us as we start to develop prayer routines for ourselves and and for our families, uh, just guide us and um, Lord Jesus, we p- we place our trust in you and we offer this prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hi friends, I loved the different ideas Katie had for introducing elements of prayer throughout the day. I'm planning to at least try implementing the morning offering for kids To Jesus through Mary, I give you this day, all that I think and do and say. I also think having an alarm set for the Angelus prayer at noon or doing a decade of the rosary together are simple and beautiful ways to introduce our kiddos to a prayer life. I also love what Katie said about the reality of prayer with kids under five (laughs) and that the Lord knows our kids ages and developmental stages better than we do. And God knows our hearts and that our efforts to come together in family prayer are a gift to him and a gift to our kids. Thanks for listening in today, friends. Until next time, you all are in my prayers. God bless.